Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Dick. Each week we will mold mash from it and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long love movies. God, that was awful. Uh, and this week, who put piss in my apple juice? Uh, we are sort of watching Little Monsters this week from 1989. Uh, directed by Richard Greenberg. I have to, uh, I have to just jump in and let you know, uh, everyone listening, and Anthony, that I that wasn't really my best performance for our opening. But I wanted to capture the the, the essence of the throwback of how horrible the audio might be for what we're about to present to everyone, because this was really something that uh, we were pretty excited about a long time ago. A year and a half ago. A year and a half ago, we recorded uh, Little Monsters. We watched it, went through the whole thing, and then lost the whole intro segment to Little Monsters and kind of just put it on the back burner and didn't really think about it. Yeah, so uh, that's my bad. Uh, sorry, everyone, that you had to miss out for so long on such a, a great episode but uh, we decided that with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up, we're not going to be able to get together and do a full-fledged episode and, and all that. We want to spend some time uh, with our loved ones. So we wanted to go ahead and release this. So you're not going to get the traditional intro like you would normally would where we would give our initial thoughts and things like that. Uh, in fact, we're probably going to cut it off more or less right here and say that uh, past Anthony and John are going to go and watch this. Uh, if you want to watch along with them, it's actually on Hulu, so you can catch it. Oh, no, that's the wrong Little Monsters. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, I've watched that other Little Monsters, and it's not really that good. I, I, had, <laughs> I had high hopes. I thought it would be fun, but it really wasn't very good. Uh, if you want to watch along with past Anthony and John, it appears to be on Netflix and Tubi. Uh, otherwise, you can rent it from one of the streaming rental services, or you can buy it. Or you can watch it from your personal library if you happen to have it there. Uh, and when we come back, we are talking little monsters. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. John, are you ready? Well, I do have to say, before we quote-unquote jump into little monsters here, I, I want to set the scene because I don't know, uh, again, aside from audio quality and all that stuff, this was another time from another place. This was, this was pre-COVID. This was pre-political elections of... 2020 this was a time when we thought a lot of stuff in the world sucked but in the in reality there were certain things that were really good so it's a weird time to contemplate what life was like you know just you know a year and a half ago feels like ancient history so i mean i'm actually really looking forward to listening to this once we have it put out and release and just take it in myself because it's like i just you know was uh, did i used to have a, a weird accent you know, I, I can't remember. There's a lot of things I'm going to discover. You know, did I did I ever do a Sean Connery accent before? Like things like this, you just don't know. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually I'm excited to edit it because that's that's when I listen to the episodes. Everyone, uh, little <coughs> behind the curtain. 
Uh, I'm excited to edit it because I don't know what I'm in for. I don't even really like remember what we said or what our takes <laughs> were or anything like that. Like I, I think that this is going to be a, a pretty neat little experiment, humbling. little time capsule, <laughs> a humbling experiment for sure. Uh, for not you know. Audio issues notwithstanding, like this, for full disclosure, everyone, this is a Skype recording that you're going to hear. Uh, we we now record our tracks separately in a completely different program and all that. So uh, it, it'll definitely be uh, very, very interesting. It's the best word I can use. I keep saying it, but uh, that is the, the, the best uh, word that I have at the moment. So right. let's go. Let's go do this. Let's put let's, this thing out of its misery. Let's do that indeed. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Little Monsters. All right, we are back. Man, that brought back a lot of memories for me. Um, I don't know if it brought back as many for you, John, but... Uh, that was that was a lot of fun for me to watch and, and sort of reminisce about. Yeah, uh, especially right off the right in the very beginning, just getting into it again. Like even before any of the real action took hold, it just kind of flooded back and like, oh yeah, okay, I, I remember, I remember this now. Because mm-hmm. like you, when you look back on movies like this, where it was such a big part of your childhood, you don't necessarily go, oh yeah, I remember the opening monologue where he just was sitting on the porch and talking, but that's what we start off with. Like this family moves to a new town and the kids are sitting on the porch looking at the moving van and you just have a voiceover by, uh, by Fred Savage. Now I instantly thought, why couldn't they, they do the voiceover with with Daniel Stern being the voice of Fred Savage reflecting on <laughs> just as this meta joke but i don't know if this was was this pre-wonder years or during or it's got to be real close that is an excellent question yeah i'm actually uh for the all the listeners out there who are interested in such things i'm doing this podcast with virtually no technology skype alone and no other references i will be awesome yeah john is limping along right now this was during the wonder years Uh, they they probably filmed this uh during like a wonder years break and so like that everything that you if you picture uh fred savage during the wonder years it's exactly how he looks in this movie if you've never seen this if you didn't just watch it with us it's exactly what he looks like yeah uh so let's jump right into the plot so like i mentioned before this family moves to a new town uh, they move into this house, which seems to be a little older, has a few problems. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. They, they're painting and doing repairs, and it, it almost seems like it's falling apart at points. Uh, one night, the youngest son, Eric, who's played by Ben Savage, who is Fred Savage's real-life brother, who you would know from shows like uh, Boy Meets World or Girl Meets World, uh, starts screaming, Ah, oh, there's a monster! Mom, Dad, there's a monster! Uh, so the older son... Uh, ends up getting blamed for a lot of stuff around the house uh, shortly after this, Uh, like his bike being left out or there was uh, ice cream, melted ice cream in the container in the cabinet that just falls all over Daniel Stern, who's the father in this. Uh, And he's getting into all sorts of trouble. But the thing we also get introduced to is that 
this idea that um, our, our young friend here is kind of a dick anyway. And like he's already lying to his parents to try to get away with things just like a normal kid would. So we're it's almost like we're not supposed to feel too sympathetic for him because he's just kind of like, well, I didn't do it. Wah, wah. And it's like, OK, so what's really going on here? Are there is there something at play that's bigger than this kid? Like, are we going to get into something? The movie's called Little Monsters. Does it somehow hint at something coming up that's going to change things for us? Couldn't possibly. But then but it does. Then. It does. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Eric, the younger brother, keeps saying, oh, no, there's there really is this monster. And Brian's like, no, there's no such thing as monsters. I'll prove it to you. I'll switch rooms with you. And uh, I'll prove to you I'll stay there all night. There is no monster. Except, surprise, we get a monster. In kind the of. Form- kind of, yeah. So uh, he's in the room and... All of a sudden, uh, there's stuff moving around, and you hear him kind of skittering all over the place. And uh, this this creature, whatever it is, happens to get away before uh, Brian, who's the older brother, played by Fred Savage, can really uh, get a good look at him. So <clears throat> Brian, who is apparently an engineering genius, yeah, uh, comes up with a trap to or a way to trap this monster and it works it's an interesting conceit in this fanciful movie with weird things that are always going on you know it's one of those movies where you can't get too hyped into the details of physics and things like that because it's fantasy in a way but like the idea that there's these monsters that can enter you know the human world from you know under beds but only if there's enough space between the bottom mattress or the box spring and the floor that they could like slide through. So if like, for example, you happen to engineer a thing that somehow you tie a bunch of jump ropes to your alarm clock and then it pulls the legs out from under your bed. um, Then all of a sudden he can't lift up the bed to like go under it until later when he can, because he wants to like that. I I found that to be really weird because the, and we'll, we'll sort of go through some of those scenes later, but um, like every time we we have a scene with a bed, it's just nice and neatly opening up as if it's on, you know, hydraulic or, or pneumatic hinges or uh, struts and like a hinge. Like it has that like that that magic from the uh, the underneath is coming with them to allow them to lift the corner of this bed up with one pinky. But yet if you like take out the legs of the bed that negates all that magic. I don't know. It's kind of a, a wacky physics problem. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely weird. I I chalk it up to a children's, excuse me, a children's movie plot hole, Mm. but we'll, we'll just sort of let it go. Uh, So he does catch a monster named Maurice played by Howie Mandel, uh, who is just off the walls. He's bouncing all over the place and can't stop chattering about everything and uh he gets trapped uh, and ultimately brian lets him go because otherwise he'd die because sunlight kills them because apparently they're also vampires uh that is not confirmed that's just sort of the lore that i'm going off of interesting uh then maurice comes back and uh decides hey i'm gonna keep hanging out with this kid and maybe you know make friends with him uh and so Maurice says, hey, you know, why don't you come and see what this is all about? And takes Brian down to the monster world. Now, Maurice actually does tell him 
that he's 11 years old. He does. And that was sort of weird to me because, I mean, obviously, Howie Mandel is not 11 years old in this movie. But it doesn't seem like anybody really ages in the monster world. Like Once you become a monster, you're sort of stuck at that age. So is he lying about his age or is there some sort of weird aging thing going on here? Like, do, do they all eventually grow older? Um, yeah, maybe he just isn't aware of the fact that he's aging and he still thinks of himself as 11. I mean, he certainly has a maturity level that, you know, kind of fits in for the most part in that general age range. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and, and at one point I think he says that he's like 200 years old. But yeah, like he's he's been around for 200 years, but he's only 11. Right. <laughs> so uh, they they both go down to the monster world. Uh, Maurice is showing them around. Apparently they have jobs in the monster world to go and scare kids. So Maurice takes Brian along with him to go in and like scare kids or wreak havoc. They, like they go all over the place wreaking havoc on houses that ultimately gets blamed on the children who live in those houses and we have a nice little sort of scene where they're like rapid fire cut into kids getting yelled at for the stuff that they had just done that night what Uh, i think is interesting is when i was younger i'm pretty sure i thought all this was pretty hilarious and this time around it made me think about times when i was younger and i got like yelled at or accused of things that i never actually did and I was like more sympathetic for the kids this time when I'm like, right? like, I'm like this just sucks. Like, damn, that was mean. Like, yeah, <laughs> this isn't as fun as I remember. This is just like, okay, what's the point? You know, it's not even like it's it's. I'm trying to remember. I haven't seen Monsters Inc. in a long time, but if I recall, like something to do with them scaring kids, like gave energy to their world or something like that. I I can't quite remember. But there was yeah. a point to it. Like there was a, a plot reason to scare kids. Um, besides the fact that they were like venomous and, and, you know, all that stuff. But anyway, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about little monsters. Right. And so, yeah, the, yeah, as they, as all this unfolds and you see the results, you know, in the morning when all the wacky pranks are unfolding upon, you know, parents and you know, kids are getting yelled at and threatened to be sent off to military school. And, <laughs> and the kids are all like crying and being like, I didn't do anything. Like my reaction was not laughter. It was just like, ugh. That sucks. Pretty much, yeah. Like, I, I did really feel for those kids. And, like, damn, that's... It, it, I mean, in 2019, you would call it bullying. Yeah. Like, that's ultimately what, what it would boil down to. Uh, but Maurice returns Brian to the human world before sunrise. Otherwise, he's going to get turned into a monster himself. Uh, which, that's an important plot point for later, which we will get to. Some of the... the Finer plot points in the middle are largely unimportant. Like it's really just we're running around and and terrorizing people. Uh, a few of the highlights I wanted to touch on though was um, again Brian doing some amazing feats of engineering for <laughs> I, I think he's an 11 year old. Um, like just these these machines that he's building sort of and and different you know pulleys and, and whatnot that he's just sort of coming up with he's also uh, very familiar with electrical engineering and and wiring different circuits yeah. and we're we're gonna get to that too yeah <laughs> most of what goes on is just i just called it monster hijinks like he's, sh- he's showing brian Morris is showing brian monster ball where they 
they steal a bunch of, you know, vases and plates and stuff like that. And they play baseball. And the goal is to not catch the ball and let the ball hit all this stuff and break it. And then they, they're supposed to go and return it later. All broken. Um, one of my favorite scenes growing up and uh, is still one of my favorite scenes is they uh, is it that first night that they end up in Ronnie Coleman's bedroom? Um, first or second, I can't remember. Yeah, it's but, yeah. it's one it's one of the first nights that it they, is the they first go one, yeah. Um, they end up in in the bedroom of Brian's bully, Ryan uh, Ronnie Coleman, played by Devin Rattray, who you remember as uh kevin's little uh, kevin's older brother from home alone um yeah a lot of six degrees of kevin bacon material all throughout this because all of these actors have worked with each other in different ways across many different movies and tv shows and the such yes absolutely uh so they uh swap uh ronnie's lunch uh they they take his tuna sandwich and they put cat food on it. And then uh, Maurice drinks all of his apple juice and pisses in the bottle and puts it back. Uh, and then at lunchtime the following day, Ronnie Coleman eats the sandwich and then tries to drink the quote-unquote apple juice to get rid of the taste of cat food and ends up spitting it all over the principal and shouting, Who put piss in my apple juice? And this was still one of my favorite scenes in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to embrace the nostalgia of the wonderfulness of remembering all the f- fond times I had with this movie. But I found things hit me so flat this time that I was almost distracted. Like I could enjoy remembering what I felt like when I watched this before. Because, yeah, I, I thought that scene was great. And, and myself having dealt with a, a few bullies here and there i think back in the day i was just you know thinking oh how amazing would it be if, if i could do something like this and get revenge on those stupid kids like it, it just enthralled me and i thought it was funny and i loved it and this time it was just like yep that's happening uh so brian and maurice kind of go through a bad break when uh maurice destroys uh, oh, sorry, I, I did miss, miss one other plot point. Um, Brian showing Kirsten, uh, who is his uh, sort of love interest, who I think is the girl who, John, you said earlier in the show, you had had a crush on when you were a kid watching this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, he was showing her how to make a flip book of her science project, which uh, that was sort of a, a, a softer side moment for the uh the fred savage character in an otherwise i'm kind of a dick role yeah um brian and and maurice uh, end up having sort of a bad break when uh maurice essentially destroys her report on that science project and ends up getting her a zero on her assignment uh so brian decides that the monsters should stay away from his family and uh, at the same time, his parents are getting a divorce or they're they're splitting up, they're separating. Uh, Brian takes that part kind of badly. And it, as the, the two are sort of happening at the same time, Brian starts cutting all of the legs off the beds to keep the monsters out of his house. 
and his mom just sort of attributes that to the separation. But the the monsters managed to get in and kidnap his brother. All because they wanted Brian as a friend for the main bad guy, and it seemed like maybe he was escaping and not going to come back to the world and really turn into a monster. So to gain leverage, they go in and grab his little brother with the idea of luring him back in again. Um, it it almost seemed like someone was making this movie and they got about a you know half two thirds way through and we're like oh yeah we're supposed to have some kind of plot and like tie this up in some way i know what we could do we can make this more about like uh this this other character we haven't introduced yet and how he's been in the scenes in the background hiding somewhere observing and really wanting to become friends with this kid um so that's that's we kind of get introduced to that um and then we meet up with the 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 big rough and tumble bodyguard type bouncer uh was i think his name was um snick snick yeah <laughs> uh, who is very very obviously played by an adult yeah uh and somehow still manages to be a monster and i don't know if it's because he's been exposed to sunlight too many times or whatever but he's he's pretty nasty looking yeah uh but because of this kidnapping brian and this is where it sort of starts to go off the rails for me a little bit. Like his mom wakes him up and says, where's Eric? Have you seen Eric? Do you know where he is? And Brian like goes into, I'm suddenly the protector mode and he's almost adult like in his, you know, his movements. And I'm, Oh, I, I, I just found this sofa bed open where they got in and I'm going to run up and, and, on my clothes and get grab some gear and go and recruit the neighborhood kids to go now, and sa- save my brother you're, you're skipping over maybe my favorite part in the entire movie which was the way he ran out the front door and flipped over the side oh, of the porch rail that was amazing like he, <laughs> he like he could have just gone down the stairs he could have he could have hopped over in a parkour style where you put your hand on just like swing your legs up over but no he does like a full like twist leap like they must have laid out a mattress on the other side of this porch because he just flings himself over it and i i had to laugh for like about like 20 seconds straight because <laughs> i was just was like All right, what just happened he's throwing his bag like he's about to land in a pickup truck and jump in it and drive away like it was great it, it was it was uh, that was a pretty fantastic move unintentionally wonderful <laughs> um so yeah he, he goes around recruiting the neighborhood kids he he tells uh, Kirsten that he needs to get into the supply closet at the school which is in the middle of the night uh, to get a, to get something for his science project, and then breaks the news to her and Eric's best friend that oh yeah he was kidnapped by monsters and they don't like light so we're gonna go after them and they go on the hunt and they they head down into the monster world and just start shining lights on everybody and making them shrink down into nothingness uh i'll I'll skip forward a little bit here they they get up to the uh the room of or the boy's room essentially so boy is the character here played by frank whaley who i was trying to figure out where i recognized him from and i had to look him up uh he was in so many things where I knew him from was Pulp Fiction. I knew him most recently from Luke Cage. 
he was like he was the the partner that went bad oh that's right of misty knight but yeah like but he when i was excited to look it up too because i mean with the makeup and the fact that it was older i couldn't quite tell but i'm like i know who that is i just can't figure it out and then i looked and he's been in like 80 movies that i know and i was like oh okay well yeah all right then and it's usually bit parts but yeah uh very recognizable so boy uh, makes an offer to Brian to join the monsters in exchange for his brother and his friends, which I guess Maurice was supposed to be recruiting him and basically backed off because he, you know, he, he decided that friendship was more important. Uh, Brian basically tells boy to fuck off and kills him. Uh, it's uh, when they, or that doesn't kill him initially just shines a light on him and burns his face. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a, a neat little callback here. It's, it's a very timely callback uh, because th- the year before this was released, they had banned these. Uh, Boy is throwing lawn darts at Eric. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it's like, oh, lawn darts, they just got banned. So like that was uh, that was a neat little callback to a thing that had happened. Uh, anyhow... They get chased off. The kids get chased off. And so they head back to the real world. They get more lights. and More this time, intense electrical engineering construction. Yes. Where they have to go and get the bully, bring him in as a good guy, which, hey, you know, it happens. And he is carrying, I think, at least three car batteries. At least. I think it, <laughs> it may have been five. Yeah. But it's it was at least three. Angle between three and five car batteries hooked up to like you know maybe about like 30 small flashlights uh so i'm not gonna say it was overkill because who am i to question an electrical engineering genius because it gets the job done but man that was that was something to look at oh for sure uh so that setup that whole rig uh, kills boy and blows up snick and you think okay well they're gone so let's get out of dodge and now they're out of time because eric's alarm goes off and he finds that oh we only have like five minutes to get out of here before the sun comes up otherwise we're going to become monsters so they uh they, they find eric they run out of there and uh maurice helps them get back to the stairway to their house except the right as they get to the top it seals up because the sun came up and they cannot get in now before you move on i also have to mention um and again i know it's ridiculous to point out when things don't make sense in a movie of this nature you know it's ridiculous to to say how come this works but this doesn't but when snick gets blows up blowed blowed up blown up he gets to put his pieces back together and Maurice saves them by getting a flamethrower. Right. But <laughs> Which, Maurice... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Finish, so finish it's what you're saying. Incredibly bright fire, shooting out flame. Oh, I'm on fire. You know, it's probably because it's fire, but also the light and all this stuff. Maurice is not affected in any way. But if you shine a flashlight on him, he turns into clothes. But he puts on a full-on... 30 foot gush of flame out of a flamethrower and he's just kind of laughing and having a good time. <laughs> um, so, so no, no weirdness there. Like that makes perfect sense. I guess who knows? It doesn't really matter, but it was kind of one of those scenes again, where as a kid, I'm just like, Oh yeah, flamethrower. But now I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, that was uh, definitely uh, sort of plan 
playing fast and loose with the rules there uh, as far as monsters and light go. Uh, so we're at the stairs and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? Uh, and then I, I think it was Brian who sort of remembers, oh, wait, distance isn't really important here. It's, it doesn't work the same. And uh, we can just sort of get wherever we need to on foot. And so he's like, oh, let's let's go west. Like, let's just keep going west until we find an open an open bed. Like beat the sunrise. And and beat the sunrise. So they're running and they they run past Philadelphia and Pittsburgh <laughs> and and Chicago and they just keep running and running and running. And finally, they get to uh, a, an open uh, an open portal and they all climb out. And uh, Brian says a tearful goodbye to to Maurice and. They pop out in uh, on a beach in California uh, because fuck physics, and they get out of Monsterland just before sunrise. And yeah, cue the Talking Heads and roll credits. Now this this as a kid, um, one of my favorite parts of the movie because at that point in my life I'd never been to the ocean and I really wanted to be. So this idea of just teleporting from like the Midwest where I grew up, you know, around Chicago, all the way out to the ocean. That sounded awesome. I I really liked this song, even though at that point in my life, I had no clue who the talking heads were. It was only after the fact that because of this song, I ended up kind of falling in love with the talking heads overall. Um, and so it was just like, now the nostalgia kicked back in at the very end. Cause I remember that feeling when I was a kid of the idea of just climbing, you know, just, climbing out from under this bum you know on a chair which counts as a bed so of course physics of monster teleportation works there sure um and they, they're out on this beach and i was like oh that'd be so awesome and then road nowhere kicks in and i'm like okay i'm now i'm i started off watching this movie feeling good having good feelings about you know when i was a kid and watching it and into it and now it's kicked back in again i'm like so that that left a good uh, good feeling and of course the requisite phone call to their parents who are like, where are, where are our kids? And they're like, Oh, you know, we're in Malibu, we're Malibu, Malibu, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course is, you know, understandable. Cause why would they think their kids just teleported to California in the space of 45 minutes or whatever? Um, but uh, you know what? They're, they're going to have to figure that out. We don't have to. <laughs> right. Credits roll. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then, yeah, that's, that's the movie. Cool. I had a few things I wanted to talk about following that. First being the the PG rating in this movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, considering the time, it was pretty mild. So I it, think, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. But the, the Motion Picture Association of America of today is not the Motion, Motion Picture Association of America that we grew up with. In the 80s and 90s, and that's very evident in this movie. Uh, today, with a PG rating, you couldn't say half the things that you said in this. Uh, this movie, there are plenty of asses and shits and you know, bitch, bitch and pee jokes and and stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was like it had that again. If we're talking about nostalgia, that that thing that went on. Uh, throughout the you know, late 70s up until like the late 80s, early 90s, where these movies aimed at kids and the kids, you know, range of, you know, that somewhere between 12 to 16 year old target audience 
you know, is just heavily inundated. I'm, I'm honestly like, I didn't remember this from when I was little, but I thought there's going to be some topless scene in here that I don't remember. I'm sure that there's going to be some little cutaway or something they insert because that just seemed to be in every movie like this just because it was, you know, quote unquote funny or I don't know. But surprisingly, we didn't quite get that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- this Brian kid is going to go on to be, he has to go on to be uh, like a Silicon Valley hotshot, right? Like, <laughs> with all the engineering and the, the the quick thinking stuff like he has to it's that or secret agent well no i think this is my theory of what happens in the future and i mean i think it's right about a time that you and i should start working on the screenplay for the sequel not a reboot the sequel um and we get the we get fred savage we get ben savage we get you know we just the whole the whole as much of the cast as we can because i think it would still work out great um what happens is he is actually telling the truth maurice when he's like now we're just friends with him and kirsten like they're not gonna hook up they actually become business partners um and what she observed with her keen scientific mind you know she's picking up on lessons of traversing you know space time uh in ways that even uh brian's mind is not able to comprehend he's more of the structural engineering guy she's she's the high concept science gal and the two of them working together start developing all these new modes of transportation for the future and that's and that's little monsters too uh which is really going to be more of a story about you know the bursting of like the third tech bubble of the year you know 2021 um something that will never uh, get old when we go back and watch it in another 20 years from now. Sure. Absolutely. That that's, it'll absolutely hold up without question. Yeah. It's, it's timely. Like, you know, Elon Musk wanting to make tunnels, you know, between Vegas and California, like all those things are going to be like, Oh yeah. I can't believe little monsters Two was so ahead of its time. Um, so yeah, we have that to look forward it, to. It'll, it'll go over at least as well as independence day two did true that's a good point i forgot how good that movie was um yeah so you said you had a a few different things like i i i think just overall when i'm watching this this time um like something that struck me that i never in a million years would have put together when i was younger is that so much of this movie is just like an allegory about divorce um, you have the house falling apart, just like the relationships falling apart. You know, you have the kids that are doing everything they can to avoid it, um, you know, creating fantastic worlds and monsters so they don't have to deal with the reality of stuff, acting up, doing all these things, you know, destroying everybody else's, you know, homework and, and you know, China sets and all, all the things that they're doing. Like, it all feels like there's, you know, someone, I don't know if it's the director or screener or someone who is making this and developing it. Like maybe they were working out some demons from their past um, because this wasn't a pure, joyful, fun movie. It was like mean spirited and there were negative things in it all done with this manic hilarity that just bounced off the walls constantly. Like you were saying with with Maurice's character. So it was like that thing you get when people are like so upset that then they start to like nervous laugh and then they just sound all crazy and you think they just need to lay down or they're going to pass out or die. Um, There's just a weird congruity of, of the feelings portrayed in the movie and the tone that's supposed to be 
a lot more fun and high spirited. You know, I hadn't even really picked up on that, but now that you talk about it, even it, it even goes so far as as Brian and uh, and Maurice's relationship. Like at one point, they yeah. they split up. That Brian doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. And yeah, that that's absolutely present throughout. And Maurice is kind of like the the surrogate takeover parent, and even he, you know, and Brian end up having to to be disconnected. And so, like, so much of what's going on is the story of of what it's like to to have feelings, then suppress feelings, and then to to be forced to grow up before you want to, and to do everything you can short of like literally transforming into a monster to avoid the necessity of facing life and maturity and growing up. Yeah. One might even say that divorce is the monster within us all. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I mean, and you even have the dad saying at least twice in the movie, I'm not the monster here. Right. It's like, but aren't you? Okay, that was my dramatic pause. So, <laughs> John, does this movie hold up in any way to what you remember? It's two answers to that Um, in terms of, you know, we're talking from our place within the memory distillery. We're sipping on our fine whiskey and remembering the good times and and the nostalgia that washes over us. And in that sense, there were several times in this movie that I genuinely felt this heartwarming connection to a version of myself that was, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s that just kind of you know, fell in love with the story and had fun with it and enjoyed the time and place and had a crush on the girl in it. And just all those feelings. It's like, yeah, I remember it. I love it. But as a movie and watching it and taking it in now with the person I am, I have to say, as much as I hate to keep doing this every single movie <laughs> we see, God damn I got the old man in me is just coming out saying, I, I just I, I was almost. It was distracting. I almost didn't want to watch it. Like, I just was waiting and waiting for it to be over. I was just ready. I was done. I am not into it. I did not really enjoy Outside of those moments that reminded me of my childhood, which were great, the other 90, 95% of it, I thought was, it wasn't charming. It wasn't funny. It wasn't interesting. It was just a mess. And I just didn't like it. God damn it, John. Yeah, that's that's the way it unfolded. I didn't even I didn't even want it to be that way. I wanted to be finally. I'm sure this movie is gonna warm my heart, but nope, it's mean spirited and dumb. I I have this sort of thing in me what when I watch movies where I I try to separate the surface from the the underlying things, uh, especially with older movies that you know i really enjoyed as a child because i don't i don't look at everything with probably the same critical eye that you do and i don't i i I try not to overthink it to the point where i lose that love that i had for a thing sure um it was kind of hard to do with this like I, I definitely had fun watching it, and I definitely enjoyed parts of it. Uh, but the the sort of borderline uh, bullying that Brian does to nearly everyone in this film, but I still I, I still try to 
like have fun with it because I know, okay, I have to sort of transport myself back to, you know, 1989 or 1990 or 91, whenever I first watched this and, and be that version of myself when I watch it. Otherwise I'm going to lose whatever it is that I went into it with. Yeah. I'm, I, I can appreciate, you know, your ability to do that. And <clears throat> excuse me. I just can't. I can't. Like <laughs> I, 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 like I said, the very beginning and the very ending were, were great touchstones, and I got everything I needed. But other than that, it was just. I mean, things kept. Not only was it mean spirited. Not only were the physics screwed up. Not only were there bad storytelling and stupid dialogue. Not all those things. You know, Howie Mandel's character playing Maurice. Like at the time, I just thought it was so much fun and cool and interesting. And now this time it seemed to me to just kind of be like a manic version of Beetlejuice for kids. It just felt like it, w- it was not, it didn't feel fresh and interesting or original. It just felt like tiresome and, and uninteresting. So that's, that's my old man grumpy take on it. All right, old man. Well, <laughs> uh, I do have one last thing uh, that I wanted to do here. So I'm sure plenty of you listening have seen uh, on Twitter or on Facebook every so often a, a string that will pop up uh, where you know you get like the hashtag uh, explain a film plot badly. And I wanted to see if John had one. I have one queued up here, but John, did you have one that you could think of uh, to like explain the plot of this film in a bad way? I'm I'm thinking as you were saying that I'm thinking of some that for other movies that are, are quite hilarious. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this without just sounding angry and cynical. But um, I, if I thought I explain a film, I don't know if it would be that badly. I think it would be accurate and good, but no, no, here, here's, here's my take on it. Um, hey, I'm a kid and I'm just going to be an asshole for about 80 minutes and play with some laundry monsters. Okay. That's, that that ties it up pretty well, actually. That's pretty much that's what I thought the movie was. Um, the the one that I had come up with for this was radicalized child soldiers invade a terrorist organization and kill their leader. <laughs> also, also accurate. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I think uh, John, did you have anything else on this? Um. No, I, I think I'm ready to to leave it behind in the past and and never look back until we need our research material for Little Monsters too. Well, okay then. <laughs> uh, that's our show, everyone. Please be sure to subscribe to us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be releasing new episodes every Monday, so stay tuned each week as we distill another favorite from our past. So the music in our podcast comes from the song Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore. Make sure you check them out. Uh, I know that they're on Spotify, but I'm sure you can find them on iTunes or wherever you happen to get music or or subscribe to music or purchase music. Um, You can also email us with questions, comments, uh, notes about the show, any kind of requests for a movie, or just to say hi at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at TMDPod. Uh, Thanks again for listening. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I am John Deck. And this has been the Memory Distillery. (laughs) Good night, everybody.